Well, it's great. It's wonderful, isn't it? How many are enjoying just the two services? How many are enjoying just the change? It's been quite good, isn't it? Eh? And so look around. It's, uh, we've got a, it's amazing how it's worked out. We've had about uh, 220, 30 in each service. It's like someone organized everyone to just get into services and to divide it into two. Now, you just can't make that kind of thing happen because everyone just did what they wanted to do anyway. And it's turned out there's about the same number in each service, almost within 10 or 15 of one another. It's quite remarkable, really. But what it's done is made more room for us to, uh, uh, to have growth. There's not such long queues out there in the streets, easy to get a park. It's, it's much, much better. But it makes room for us to do this one thing, and that is to grow and increase. Bring our friends, reach out to our friends, see new people one to Christ. But uh, also with it, there's a how many felt it's a bit, it feels different? How many felt it feels different? It does feel different, isn't it? I remember when we were down in the girls' high school and we had about 180 and we came into this building here first. I remember standing here and thinking, oh my goodness, we're vanished. I couldn't hear my voice sing. I couldn't hear anyone sing. It's just like the atmosphere sucked everything away and it just felt like it was so different. And I was, you know what, it was like when I got these new shoes, you know, I well, they, they look nice, but actually I like to go back to old smileys, you know, they kind of feel comfortable. And uh, I sort of felt I wanted to go back to the girls' high because it sort of felt, it felt what I was used to. And uh, you get used to a certain spiritual and emotional relational environment in church. And so when now we've changed into two services, it feels different because it is different. But you've got to just have a look at why, what you feel and why you feel that way. One of the things is people that you would have seen each week aren't there. And uh, now you can sit in their seat. That's quite good, isn't it, really? But because you're not there, you feel something's missing. And it causes you just to feel different on the inside and not sure whether you like this or don't like it. That's normal for people to feel that way. They're probably in the other service. And uh, so then you think, well, I wonder which one I really want to be in and who's here and, and maybe I should go to the other one. So all of these are normal to feel us. And sometimes we just feel a bit disjointed, like I'm not too sure I fit anymore or belong anymore. It is very normal to go through all of those kind of feelings because you've got a changed environment and we affect one another. And so when people aren't here, they're in another service, we feel they're missing and feel just out of sorts just a little. So if you're feeling those kind of thoughts, it's quite normal. The thing is, you just make a decision which one you're coming to, connect it. You have, it requires we all put a bit more energy into the meeting because otherwise it's, there's not the same energy level in the meeting. And half the number of people and others who are there got to put in a bit more. And, uh, and it also means that we have to reach and form new relationships, new connections, and bring new people in. So it's a wonderful thing to stretch and change, but the initial feeling is one of being a bit uncomfortable and that's okay. It's okay to feel a bit uncomfortable. You're in the right service. Probably the one you're in is the one you had your heart to come to, and that works out really great. And I figured everyone must have been listening to God because they all turned up on the right service. So <laughs> it's really good, isn't it? Eh? And uh, so I just want to just appreciate all who've had to put in a lot of extra work. Musicians stay from 8 in the morning through about half past 12, and sound men and light people, all these service people, they're, they're just, it's just a huge effort for them on that morning. So we just really do appreciate you, and uh, your stretch will make it possible for us to grow and include more people. So I really appreciate that. Initially, it's really quite difficult and uncomfortable, a lot of personal changes you've got to make, but then after a while you get used to it, then it becomes normal. So it's, it's like this with all change, and I just uh, thank the church for making the effort to make the shift so we've got more room for people to come in. 
and uh, it's great. And look down the road, it's not so hard to get a seat now. You're not parked down there by Stortford Lodge trying to find a, have to walk down. It's, it's much, much easier now. So it's really good, really wonderful. And uh, just, uh, we're, we're in for a great time, great season in the church's life, season of growth. So reach out to your friends and don't allow the winter blues to just settle over you and uh, just keep the life of God flowing in you and let's believe together for new people to come, new people to be saved, new people to be reached as you reach out and befriend them. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, I want you to open your Bible with me in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. And uh, we've been sharing uh, a, a series on apostolic people and how God has called every one of us to represent Him in the community. And uh, apostolic means that you are sent, commissioned, or have mission and purpose. You are a person with purpose, a person who is sent. And so we look then at uh, what it means to be apostolic people, to have a sense and to embrace in our heart, God has sent me, sent me into this church to be a part of it, sent me into this city or Napier to be a part of it, sent me because you've got something for me to do. And uh, we identified a word called metron. Metron is something that's measured out to you, an area or sphere of influence God designed for you uniquely. And every person has a sphere of influence, something God prepared uniquely for you. It includes your personal life. You are responsible for your personal life. It includes uh, your relationship with God. It includes your finances. It includes your property and possessions. It includes your family. It includes uh, the place you work. It includes your neighborhood. And finally, we found it includes wherever you are. That's the place God wants you to make something happen because you are there. But nothing will happen unless we don't first accept responsibility for what God called us to do and to be. And so last year we were looking at our identity, who we are in Christ. We are ambassadors, sons and daughters of the living God called to bring Christ, represent Him into the community. And so today in the session today, I want to look at the area of positioning and presence, how you position yourself inside so your presence can be felt in the community, your presence can be felt wherever you are, your presence has impact wherever you are. It would be easy to talk about just things you do, but I want you to understand something of spirit dynamics. And this is very real. People have experiences of this all the time, but often don't make good conclusions or don't understand what is really meant by these things. And so I want to help you just understand how to release, uh, how to become present and make your presence felt. And uh, it's going to be good. Let's have a look in Genesis 2 verse 15. The Bible tells us, and God put Adam into the garden which he had made and called him to guard it and to keep it or to dress it, to dress it and keep it, meaning literally to cultivate it and to guard it. So we see God created a metron, an area or sphere of influence for Adam and Eve. It was a garden. You also have an area designed for you, that's your garden. Adam was given two commands related to the garden. The first one was, as a steward of the garden, he had to watch over it against any invading spiritual influence. He had to be alert to snakes, particularly. He had to be alert to any demonic activity. And likewise, you and I need to be alert to the presence and activity of wicked spirits seeking to enter our garden 
the areas of our life God called us to, to destroy what God has given to us and entrusted to us. Our responsibility is to exercise spiritual authority. And last week we showed you how to pray to take governance and authority over spirits that enter your sphere of influence. First, you've got to recognize them. You recognize them as you pray strongly, as you allow your mind and heart to reach out and embrace your area of responsibility. You listen to the Holy Ghost, and as you pray, God shows you things that are there. You become aware of the things that are there, and you can confront them in prayer. Now, he says, he also calls us to cultivate the garden. That is, to cause it to grow. Now, listen to me. You can't cultivate your metron unless you become present and engaged in it. You cannot cultivate your metron unless you become present and engaged in it. So, for example, if a father emotionally and spiritually and relationally distances himself from his wife and his children, he cannot then, he's not being present and engaged, he is being absent and disconnected. And then when a person is absent and disconnected, something else gets in there. Always something else gets in there. So if God gave you a garden to be responsible for, you have to turn up there. And not just turn up, you have to make your presence felt. And you need to engage with whatever and whoever is there in order to develop it the way God wants it developed. So if you think of your workplace or the community, if you are called into a particular area of work, a particular school, a particular area of the community, a particular ministry, particular people group, then you are called by God to be present, to show up there and make your presence felt. And to interact with what is there with a view to God's activity, the work of God, cultivating it so it produces fruit. Is the idea? So we must first be present. How many found in the meeting, the atmosphere at the beginning of the meeting was different to the atmosphere as we got to the end of the worship? How many could sense or feel or identify there's some difference there? Okay, quite a lot. There was a real difference. Now, you may have felt it, you may not, but there was a real difference because as we began to worship, the presence of God came, and then you begin to feel conscious and aware of God's presence. It is spiritual substance of God has filled the atmosphere. Something of His presence has altered the spiritual dimension around us, and we feel His presence. Some of you may have felt loved. Some of you may have felt come to peace. Some of you may have just felt very near to God. And not only that, but you would have found come into your mind thoughts. You would have heard God speak to you, encourage you, strengthen you. And that happened because we consciously did something that allowed the presence of God to begin to manifest in our midst. It's a huge difference to know God is everywhere and to have Him manifest His presence in a way people can feel it. Got the idea? Okay, now that's the area we want to go and talk about you and whether you manifest who you are in a way that positively impacts the people around you. Okay, to do that, I want us to look, we're going to look at the, we're going to look at the functions of the human spirit. In Proverbs 4 and verse 23, it says, keep your heart, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it 
overflow the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues, the rivers, the streams of life. Now notice as it talks about your heart. It tells us that the heart, the heart, when the Bible's talking about the heart, it's your inner man. So it's talking about your spirit and your soul, the core of who you are. You have a spirit which enables you to connect with the spiritual dimension. You also have a soul, which is where your personality, thoughts, emotions, and will all live in that area. And the Bible says, guard your heart. Now that's the same word that God spoke to Adam. Adam was called to guard the garden. Because if he didn't guard the garden, influences would come into the garden that would render it unproductive. So it says, guard your heart. Why does it say to guard your soul, your thought life, your emotional life, your spiritual life? Why is it important for you to guard your heart? Because the Bible tells us simply, out of your heart, flow. Flow is a word you use for rivers. Flow is a word you use for liquids. Flow is a, a word you use for air currents. Air currents flow. So if you can imagine that your heart or the center of your being, there is a flow from your inner man that affects the environment around you. You say, well, I don't see it. Well, you don't have to see it to know it's there. It is there. You can have, for example, a person enter the room and uh, that person may carry great authority. Suddenly, you are aware they are there. A person who is full of self-pity, a person who is full of anger, uh, they come into a room, you feel their presence. Even if they say nothing, their presence is felt. There is something emanates out from them that is affecting all the atmosphere around them. person comes into the room and they are full of self-pity, you will feel drawn You'll feel a demand come on you. You'll feel a pull upon you. You need to be sorry for me. You need to come into my world. You need to help me out. And you'll feel like a, you'll feel the demand coming that somehow you move and help them. And you don't necessarily want to do that. It's a demand they're putting on you that's not a good demand. You have another person come into the room and uh, maybe they stand there. And as they're standing there, you can sense they are bristling with anger. Not a word has been spoken, but you feel the atmosphere shift. Something is emanating out of them that's altering the whole environment. Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. And you know something? When someone comes into a room and they're full of anger and bristling with anger, you feel it first of all, and then you have thoughts immediately come. So what is flowing out of them is not only you feel it, but it's creating and stirring and stimulating thoughts in your head. A person comes in or you go into someone's house and they have strong control around them. And they're very polite, very nice, wonderful to have you. And, and they're very nice. But as you, what you're feeling is you hear the words that you're welcome, but what you feel is actually... Don't touch anything, break anything, mess anything, because that's more important to me than anything. And you feel control. You feel it, and then thoughts come in like, I don't think I want to stay here too long. Uh, thoughts come in like, flip my shoes. I wonder if I'm going to put dirt on the floor. 
Thoughts are stimulated by what flows out of the person's spirit. So when there is a flow of spiritual life, you feel it, it impacts you, and it stimulates thinking in your head. We got that? Once you get that and understand that, that wherever a person is, if spiritual energy and life flows out of them, it will affect those around them, it will cause thoughts to come into their mind and pressure to come on them. That's the, that's, that is spiritual dynamics of relationships. So the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. So your heart or your spirit, you, you have a, you are created spirit, soul, body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may God keep you spirit, soul, and body. Okay, so we have a spirit. Now what is the function of our spirit? Most Christians understand what their body's for. Most of them know about the soul. Very few understand that your spirit has been given to you by God with certain functions. So I know my hand, my hand, I can hold things and pick them up, move them around. I know what my eye does, nose. I know how all of it operates. Many, many people don't understand what their spirit is designed to do and how to actually work with their spirit to do what God designed you to do. So here's the first thing uh, in James it tells us, in James chapter 2, let's see if I can find the verse, James chapter 2 and uh, verse 26, it says, the body without the spirit is dead. That means one of the first functions of your spirit is to keep your body alive with life and energy. So if the spirit leaves the body, you've got a shell, there's nobody home, your soul can't remain in it. So your soul can only remain in your body provided your spirit is there giving life to your body. So your spirit is what gives your body life. It's not an organic thing only. It's actually a vitality and a life. Not only that, when there's a strong flow from your spirit, your body becomes energized. Your body actually gets full of energy, full of life. It becomes very vital. If a person's spirit is wounded, it says, you know, the, uh, it talks about the broken spirit dries the bones. So when your spirit has been wounded or broken by words or abuse or something like that, and your spirit is weak and the flow from your spirit is weak, you find you can be subject to disease quite easily. So your spirit has an important part in generating life in your body. Now, those of you who've been to the seminars, how many of you have found out that when you prayed strongly in tongues, that your whole body start to get energized? Like straight after lunch, when everyone's feeling lethargic and sluggish, we just get everyone to stand up, pray strong in tongues, and everyone suddenly starts to feel energy in their body and energy and clarity in their soul or in their mind. Why is that? It's so simple. Because when your spirit is stirred and flows, your body becomes energized, comes alive. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it tells us that the same spirit that raised up by supernatural power, Christ and the dead, shall quicken, make alive your body. So when you're joined to the Holy Ghost, and your spirit is linked to Him, and your soul has been restored, and is functioning the way God intended, as a believer, you should be full of spiritual life, full of energy, full of vitality. Why not? Why not? I've seen people at, at 90, and they are alive and vital. 
Sure, there, maybe some of their bodily activities have slowed down. They can't jump walls like they used to. But there's still an energy, a vibrancy, a life that emanates out of such a person. And I've seen others who were wounded and there was no life coming out of them and they were quite young. Okay, then. so one of the first functions of your spirit is to energize your body with life. If you can energize your spirit, your body will do much better. Second thing is, 1 Corinthians 2.11, What man knows the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. So here's the second function of your spirit, is to help you think and make decisions. Second function of your spirit is to help you think. We say, I thought my mind was the thinker. No, your spirit. The Bible says you don't really know what's in your heart, but your spirit does. So you can't just use your brain. You've got to do more than use your brain. Your spirit is designed to flood light onto your brain, to flood energy into your brain, so your thoughts are quickened, they come alive, and you actually think more clearly and become more decisive. This is one of the functions of your spirit. For example, how many of you have struggled on a problem or an issue or something like that, and you did all you could to figure it out, couldn't seem to get anywhere, went to bed, and when you woke up the next morning, boom, you got it straight away. How many have had that experience? You know, just knew what to do. Now, how did you get from being chogged up in the head, unable to get an answer, to getting an answer? Very simple. You just slowed down your body and your brain by sleeping, and your spirit had a chance to figure it out. And then when you get up, you just suddenly have this spontaneous thought come into your head. And you got the answer. You got it from your spirit. Your spirit knows more than your head does. And we're designed to be led by our spirit, not just by our head. So when, I, when you work just with your head, what you need is a strong spirit as well, because a strong spirit will begin to fill your mind with thoughts and ideas. You begin to come alive and you get clear in your thinking. So for example, when I go to get messages ready, I would study the messages and study the Word of God. I get all kinds of stuff. Then my head's all clogged. So I walk away from it, pray in tongues and have a shower. Having a shower causes me to relax. Praying in tongues energize my spirit and then suddenly, tuk, 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 like that, I'll just get the ideas come like that. In other words, the spirit man is helping me to think more clearly and make better decisions. So when you have a strong spirit and your spirit is alive or energetic and activated, you can get better thinking going. You think more clearly, you think differently, you think sharper, and you come to good decisions. Now, of course, if your spirit is quenched, doesn't flow or blocked because of your soul, you'll find decision-making harder and you'll find your thoughts lack clarity. Interesting, isn't it, eh? Here's the third thing that your spirit does. Your spirit enables life and authority to flow out of your words. Your spirit enables life and authority, personal authority, to flow out with your words. Now, in John 6, 63, Jesus said this. He says, now the words I speak, he didn't say, the words I speak are sound waves, they go out of my mouth and they enter your ears. He said, the words I speak, because I speak from my heart and spirit, they are filled with spiritual substance and life. So he said, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And we are created to represent Jesus, to represent God, so we can speak words and when we do speak words from deep in our heart, they can manifest our life. 
They manifest what's going on inside. You can speak words and they come from in your heart. Then the words can be full of life and energy and joy or concern. They communicate something to people. If you have strong personal authority in your life. For example, suppose you uh, uh, have uh, had a lot of experience in fixing cars. And then a discussion comes up and someone begins to ask questions about cars, motor cars. Well, immediately you rise up inside, you begin to speak, and people feel the authority that comes from your experience. And not only do they feel it, they are stirred to yield to it because they feel the authority in your words. How many of you have heard a teacher in a classroom and they stood and spoke and you felt the lack of authority, personal authority in the words? How many felt that? Okay. Now what happens is because he lacks personal authority flowing out from his words, people don't yield to it. They are stirred to challenge it. They think, I'll have him on. Isn't that true? How many of you met some person, they talk and there's no way you're going to argue with them? They carry a strong personal authority. How did, they, how did you know? You felt the authority in their presence and then when they spoke, I better listen. You see, we have, we've all had many experiences. We've never stopped to think about actually what really does go on. And it is the flow from within your spirit. So when a person, through personal experience, encounter with God, or through strong training and learning, carries strong personal authority when they speak, it is carried out, people feel it, and people yield to it. So one of the things that your spirit is for is to flow out from your words to speak with authority. That's why you've got to learn to speak like an ambassador, speak with authority, speak words that you mean. If your language forever, you, you, you're double-minded, or you say one thing and then you say something else, or you do one thing or you do something else, uh, or you say something and you don't follow it up, what happens is your conscience knows that, and so the next time you speak, you lack authority in your words. Your own heart condemns you. Sorry, Lord, I won't do that again. Your conscience knows you're going to do it again. It knows the repentance is not complete. And so the words lack authority. Even you're not impressed with what you said. Isn't that true? Come on. You've got to understand. So the fourth thing that your spirit is, is to release presence or charisma that flows out from within you. Presence or charisma. Uh, in John 7, verse 38, Jesus said, He who believes on me as the... As the, as the, as the out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So the person who believes on Christ has a double advantage over a non-believer. The first thing is the life of Christ stirs you up so your spirit is more active. And not only that, because you're joined to the Spirit of God, now you have the creative life of God can flow through you. Now how is the creative life going to get out? The Spirit of God is joined to your spirit. Your spirit must flow. Now when your soul is focused, think about this. You have a spirit. Your spirit can only flow through your soul. If your soul is clogged up and choked up, there's very little flow from your spirit. And so if you're with someone and their spirit is very weak, when they talk, they have no weight in their words. When they talk, it's like they're talking from inside a cave. When they talk, 
it, it's like you can hear what they're saying, but you don't feel the substance of the words. Because their spirit is wounded or locked up behind a soul that's full of clutter. And so no presence. Now, how many of you would know of someone who is, you'd, you'd use this word to describe them, charismatic? So when we think of someone charismatic, we usually think of their personality only. But there's actually more to it than personality. Because all believers are called to be charismatic. Charismatic means to carry charisma, to carry the grace of God. So the word charismatic comes from charisma, the grace of God, which is given to all believers. So all believers can be charismatic. You're called to be charismatic. What does that mean? You're called to flow from your innermost being with life, vitality, and energy that influences the people around you. If you have a look, say, at a singer. Now, if you, if you look at an amateur, someone who's just trying out for just a local show, and you notice some of them, it feels like they're in a cave singing. Then you look at a real professional who's been doing it for a long time, and their heart opens up, and they just flow out, and, and you get touched and refreshed by what they sing, even if they're not saved. It has a wonderful effect because you feel the life, the passion, the focus. You feel the flow come from in their spirit. Whether they're Christian or non-Christian, it's the same thing. Where the Christian's got the added advantage that the life of God can flow when their spirit flows out. Now what stops our spirit flowing out is what's in our soul. If I can energize my spirit and activate the life of God within me, and then if I can position my soul right, then life will flow wherever I go, and people will feel it and be impacted by it, and it'll start to influence them. Now, there's many ways we can influence people, of course, kind actions and doing practical things. But what I'm wanting to do is to get us so we become spiritual in the sense of being able to release what God has put within us, and people are impacted by it. So how would you activate the flow? 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul writes this, and he says, Therefore, I remind you, stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the laying on of my hands. Stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Now, where the gift of God is a spiritual gift. It was given by laying on of hands, therefore it's a spiritual gift. If it's a spiritual gift, it's in the Spirit then. Now, notice what he's saying. Stir up the gift of God. It's not flowing and functioning and finding no expression through you. So if he tells them, stir it up, it must be possible to energize and activate your inner man and position your soul so giftings and life and energy flow out of you. And it's your responsibility to do it. We'll show you how to in just a moment. So notice, it's to stir up the gift of God which is in you, for, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. So what he's saying is, you have let fear and intimidation get in your soul. You've looked at people and you've allowed the people around you who were critical of you, judged you because you were a young person. You felt their judgments. You saw their looks. You felt what was emanating out of them. You let it squash you down. He said, Timothy, stir up the gift of God. You must overcome your fear of what is emanating out of people, their opinions, their judgments, their ideas, their thoughts. Remember, Timothy was a young man, probably in his early 30s. And he had a congregation of thousands and thousands of people, many of them older people, thinking, who's this young upstart who's been positioned as a bishop over all of us? 
and he would have felt what's going on in their minds and thoughts and spirit. He'd feel the pressure. Who do you think you are? And it was shutting him down because it was a, he was feeling it. It was affecting his thoughts and he wasn't energizing his spirit and dealing with his soul properly. It's the same for us. When you go into an environment, you feel what is there. And then thoughts are triggered off. You walk into an environment, maybe you feel it's a bit shut down. Thoughts come in, I'm not wanted. You have to do something. All that influence shuts you down. The gifts of God don't function, and you are just flat, passive, yielded to an environment you're called to change. Interesting, isn't it? And so it must be possible for us to be shut down, and it must be possible for us to activate our gifts. He was talking to this about the gifts of the Spirit, but this actually applies to the flow from within your human spirit as well. How do you energize your spirit? One of the most powerful ways of energizing your spirit is to pray strongly in tongues until you begin to feel the flow and the life of God is beginning to pour out. Another way is to spend time in the presence of God, worshiping, becoming conscious of His presence till there's a growing consciousness, God is in me and with me. It takes meditation and shifting your thoughts to get that to happen. Another way is to be exposed to people who are enthusiastic, positive, full of the life of God. It begins to stir and energize you. In contrast to being someone who's negative and, and, and down and depressing, what happens is they tend to influence your thinking and your spirit. So we form close relationships with those who engage us and lift us up, and then we form different kinds of relationships with others. And they can't become your close friends. You have to decide that you'll welcome them, love them, but what's in you will be the prevailing influence. Young people, think of that when you get with a group. When you get with a group of other young people, there is a prevailing influence. It's a crowd thing generated by what's in the spirit and soul of those people. You have to decide, I will have something in me that's stronger than all of that, and I'll build it. And I'll be the prevailing influence. I'll have a personal authority that maybe they laugh, maybe they disagree, but no one can deny that I've got something they need. Eh? It's internal. It's internal got to be inside you, you see. And so, uh, so the thing is, the first thing, I've got to energize my spirit. And the second, and meditate in the Word of God, meditate in the presence of God, but strongly pray in tongues, that energizes your spirit. But then you've got to focus your soul. Now, this is one of the key things. Your soul is the gate through which your life flows. Now, if you have lived with rejection, judgments, uh, abuse, uh, verbal put-downs, control, you will have a lot of stuff locking up your soul. And there'd be a limit to how much flows through. That's why we're called to renew the mind. That's why we're called to have the soul restored. Why? So that the fullness of Christ can be seen in me. Not my rejections and hurts and pains and negatives and all the other kind of junk. The fullness of God can be seen through me. It needs to be seen through me. And to do that, I've got to restore my soul. Now, how do you focus your soul? Well, one of the ways you focus your soul is with purpose. You need to get clear purpose, 
This is why I'm here. This is what I'm called to do. So when you go into the community, I am here as an ambassador. I'm here to make lives be impacted for Christ. I'm here to represent Christ. When you have strong sense of purpose, people feel it and respond to it. They sense you know where you're going and it affects them. Because when your soul is focused on a purpose, the spirit within you tends to flow. So your first thing is to have a clear sense of purpose. Second thing is you need to have a sense of responsibility. You need to take ownership of your metron, what the people that God has placed you with. So for example, if you're in a school or a certain class, put your arms around them as you pray and own them. God, these are the people entrusted to me. These are the ones you've given me. These are the ones you've called me to pastor and be an ambassador of heaven to. Lord, I welcome all of them into my heart. I receive them. I take ownership of making this thing shift. People sense when you have ownership. They also sense when you're a blame shifter. A blame shifter is impotent. They're like a eunuch. They look good, but they can't perform. Say no more. It's the truth. You have to position your soul correctly for the life of your spirit to flow out. Needs to be purpose, clear purpose. I know what I'm for. Go, do you know where you're going? Do you have goals? Do you have a sense that God is in my life? God is working through me, that I, my life is here to make a difference? Do you have that clear sense of purpose? And you've set some things you're believing God for, and you've taken a sense of responsibility for the people in your life, for their salvation. Something will flow from you to attract them and touch them. They will sense you care about them. And you need perseverance in your soul. You need a gritty determination. Nothing's going to stop me from seeing something here change. Now, you haven't said a word. This is just positioning your soul, which you do in prayer day by day. And as you walk into environments, now there's something different begins to flow. But, you know, these things can shut your spirit down. And it's the things that get in your soul. If you get fear in your soul, your soul begins to focus on self and your spirit can't flow. You get self-pity. You get hurts. You get offenses. You get bitterness. You get uncleanness. Whatever these negative things are, if you let them grow in your soul, they choke the soul so little life of the spirit comes out. And what comes out is affected and tainted. Did you realize if you carry bitterness in your soul, that as your spirit flows, part of the river is polluted with bitterness and your relationships are affected? As soon as you get into a certain area of talk, it'll be defiled. See, our spirit guards your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. So what can you do to position yourself and what can you do practically that your spirit would begin to impact the people around you? The first is what you do internally at home in prayer. Let me give you just quickly some things you can do there and then what you do when you meet people, when you go to places. And you're at home, the first thing is, is to energize your spirit with strong prayer, strong engagement with God, strengthen your spirit. The Bible says Jesus became strong in his spirit. Strengthen your spirit. So your prayers will flow from your inner man. And there's a life and a dimension inside that people can feel it's coming right from the innermost being. Instead of being choked up with inhibitions, hang-ups, 
religious past. Fire and passion, it's all done in private. Then when you're in public, you're in a different zone. You're in a different place. See, assume responsibility. Begin to pray and see the people, uh, situations. Hold them in your heart. Say, thank you, God. You've placed me in there as your ambassador. I thank you, God. So now you've got purpose. You know why you're there. Father, I thank you today. You'll work through me to touch people even without me knowing it. Now you've got faith operating in your life. So as you go out, you don't even know all the effect you're having, but you're positioned to be able to manifest the presence and life of God by letting your presence be felt. So what do you do when you go into places? Well, the first thing you do is you need to stand up on the inside and stand up like you're a man of God and a woman of God. Stand up like you're in a mess of that sort of shuffle. That kind of stuff, you know what's emanating out? Rejection insecurity, inferiority, the atmosphere is starting to fill up. You understand? Something flows out of you. You choose what it is. And God says, let the life of God flow out of you. The joy, the peace, the fire of God, the enthusiasm, the sense of purpose. People see it. They want it. They desperately want that. And they see how genuine it is first. So stand up. Engage people with your eyes. Let the life flow out of your eyes. Don't avoid them. Hang your head down. Look and meet people. Let your spirit engage them. Smile as you do it. Let the life of God flow. Then when you speak, speak directly. Speak warmly. Speak with confidence. You don't have to make anyone do anything. All you have to do is let the life of God and the witness of the Spirit, let the Spirit things inside you flow out. Let them carry the day. Because remember, when a person allows a strong flow from their Spirit to come out, others feel it and their thoughts are triggered off. All kinds of thoughts go off. You don't know because they're not telling you what they're thinking. But I tell you, they're thinking something all right. Have you ever been, even as an ordinary believer, and you've been and you've come into a group and someone started swearing and then they realized you're a Christian? Huh? They s- now, sometimes that's happened. I didn't say a word. They just felt it and stopped immediately and apologized. And I hadn't said a word. I didn't say a word. It was presence from a purposeful life heart that's reaching out with love and no judgment because they're in this condition. I can remember we had a flat and uh, we had a house and we're trying to sell the house. We put some renters in it and we're going down there to visit them all and chatting to them and, and, and hi and befriending them and just being there. And, and they said, you know, this is a great house. We'd like to buy it. I said, well, I'm sure the owner would love to sell the house. I think he wants to sell the house, you know. And uh, they said, we were thinking this would make a great brothel. Got all these bedrooms in here, you know. So we could turn this into a great brothel. I said, yeah, I reckon it could be too, you know. And uh, so then suddenly they become aware. I said, oh, oh, are you a pastor? I said, yes, I am. Oh, and they start to change. They never felt any judgment. They never felt rejected. They never felt like I put them down. They actually felt something that caused their thoughts to shift. 
and I was able to witness to them and share with them and talk with them. Isn't it great to carry something internally, manifested externally, while you shake hands, while you turn up, the energy level you have. That's your choice to turn up that way. And I'm wondering this week how you're going to turn up wherever you go. Full of the joy and enthusiasm and life of God. You've got hope in your heart because God says, it's okay, no matter what happens, it's not too much for you, we can manage it. See, the Bible tells very clearly that when there's faith, the God of hope fill you with joy and peace through believing. So as I trust my life into God, I can walk out with joy and with peace and people feel it. You walk down and you're whistling and you're happy and there's light blowing out. People stop and want to know what's going on. I've had them stop. How come you're whistling? How come you're happy? How come you're joyful? Peace can be felt. Joy can be seen and felt. We can bring these things. You're called to do that. Oh, man, you're called to do that. You were born for that. Why don't you just say, hey, listen, I need to get rid of this junk that locks up my life. I continually listen to. But here's the problem. You see, if you go into an environment and you're not strong in your spirit and not focused with purpose and not deliberate in what you're doing in terms of holding people in your heart with a view to changing them, what's in them will come over you. And you'll feel thoughts you don't need. They'll echo your rejection. They'll echo your put down. You'll have some other strong voice rise up and you'll yield to that because you haven't got authority in your own life. So if you're going to invade your Metron, you have to turn up there and make your presence felt. And then you've got to get busy doing some stuff. We'll talk about that another time. But today I want to just encourage you to consider what energy, what presence, what life flows out of you And what do you need to do in your prayer life, energizing your spirit and in your soul life, dealing with mindsets, blocks, hurts, wounds, things that shut you down, mind things that lock you up and say, I'm going to be all God called me to be. I'll change how I think. I'll prosper in my soul and the flow of God will come forth. Can we just bow our heads right now? Father, we just thank you that you came to give us life, a a life more abundant than we've ever had. So no matter where we're at in life, an engagement encounter with you, walking with you will increase what is happening through us. Lord, I just thank you for that and for your wonderful love. I wonder, is there any person here today who doesn't yet know Jesus Christ? You've never given your life to him? Well, friend, you're missing out on a whole dimension of life, a relationship with the living God. And so there's a lot of insecurity and A lot of things go on and turmoils go on in your heart and life. Today, God is calling you to connect with him, to give your life to him. Jesus said to everyone who believed in him, received him and made him welcome, he gave power, authority to be a child of God, to become someone different. You ever thought, I wish my life could change? I wish I could be different. Jesus said, I'll tell you how it can be different, all right? I'm the way. Come to me. I'm the truth. I'll tell you how it is. I'm the life. I'm going to give you the life you need. 